Hey everybody, this is Matt with the second part of How to Be Led by God's Spirit. And in the last pod, we saw five things not to do. Five things we absolutely must stop being led by if we want to be led by God's will. And that is, number one, we have to not be led by our culture, by our friends, by substitutes for God like divination and fortune telling, by our circumstances, and by our feelings. Now, those are very important. And if you miss that pod, go back and listen to that one before you listen to this one. Because once those negatives are out of the way, now we can get started with what we can actively do to receive divine guidance from God. So if you want to be led by God, after you get rid of all those negative things, here's some positives that we can do if we want divine direction. The first thing you got to do is you got to really want to be led. I've got to desire it. I must want it really bad. And it starts with desire. It starts with longing. It starts with craving. Have you ever had anyone hold your head underwater so long that, I mean, that's kind of graphic here. I got to get air, you know, that kind of thing. When you, when you get that desperate feeling, or maybe you were in a pool somewhere and you're underwater and you're like, oh, I'm losing air. I got to get air. And so you will do everything you possibly can to get back to the surface. And when you get that desperate and when you cry out to God saying, God, I've got to know, I've got to know what do you want me to do? Now, many times after we've cried out to God and accepted Jesus as our savior and asked him to forgive us our sins. And as time passes, we can take for granted the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. And we can take for granted God's love for us. We think, oh, I'm forgiven. And then we just go back to living our own direction, not according to God's will, but the way we think we should go. We follow our own will, if you will. And our daily lives aren't relying on God at all. We have to want to be led. It's not like I kind of would like to know. I'd be helpful to know. No, if you don't have any intensity or passion in your prayer life about knowing God's will, it's not going to happen. It's not that important to you. When you say, I've got to have it, it's like, I'm hungry and I've got to eat. I don't know which way to go in life. God, I got to know your will. And we got to be led by the spirit. And if you're still holding on to those five negative things, then obviously you don't have the desire to be led. You might say, oh, I want to know God's will because my life has fallen apart, but you're still holding on to those negative things that we talked about. Then it's not going to happen. Psalm 40 verse 8 says, my God, I want to do what you want. Your teachings are in my heart. The reason why he wants to do or follow God's will is because he's reading God's word. Your teachings are in my heart. Many times we think, oh, of course I want to be led by God. But we still hold on to those negative things. We still hold on to being led by our feelings, by other things. God's teachings aren't in our heart because all of our time is spent following others' agenda. And we're too busy for God. So do you really want to be led? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? We pray, I want to know God's will, but do we put in any effort? So ask yourself honestly, ask God to reveal it to you. Do I really want to be led? Because if we're having trouble finding God's will, if we're having trouble knowing that maybe we really don't want to because we've gotten, we haven't gotten rid of all the negatives and something is holding us back. And so we have to ask God, what is holding us back? And I want to be led. Give me the desire. So we first need to want to be led. And second, 
willing to do what God says. I must not only want God's will, I've got to be willing to do what God says. I'm willing to obey in advance. In other words, God, before you even tell me what you want me to do, my answer in advance is already yes. God doesn't tell you his will and then you get to decide whether you want to do it or not. You got to decide in advance. You, it's almost like you're getting pre-qualified. God's not going to show you what he wants to do with your life and then you get to decide whether or not to do it. Say, God, I surrender my life to you completely. I don't just want your will. I'm willing whatever it is. I don't even understand it. I don't even know it. But whatever it is, I'm willing to do it in advance. John 7, 17, Jesus says, whoever is willing to do what God wants and chooses it, remember, it's a choice. You choose God's will. will know if what I teach comes from God. So he says, trust me in advance. I want to be led. I want to be willing to do what you want me to do, even before you've even told me what it was. Now, number three, if I want to be led by God's spirit, I must look to God's word because God's will is found in his word. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. If you're not in the Bible every day, you're in the dark. You're walking through life without a flashlight. Your word is a lamp to guide me and a light for my path. Psalm 119, 133 says, guide my steps by your word so I will not be overcome by any evil. Now, this is vital because God's will is found in his word. Let me say that again. God's will is found in God's word. You've been looking for it all this time. That's where it's found. And you wonder why you haven't found it. It's because you're not going there. See, most of God's will is already revealed. No, not the name of your spouse. That's not in the Bible. Well, it might be if, you know, your name is, no, I'm just kidding. It's not there. You're misunderstanding what I'm saying. The principles of how to find the right kind of man or the right kind of woman, that would be God's choice. As you read God's word, he speaks to you. And when you open your Bible, God opens his mouth and he starts to talk to you. And when you close your Bible, God closes his mouth. He shuts his mouth. So we discover the will of God in the word of God. Now, this was the one of the biggest things that has hit me in life. This was huge for me. In fact, nothing has pr impacted my life practically more than this point of looking to God's will in his word. Now, one of the biggest concerns I had in college or basically from when I was 18 to 22 was finding the right girl. I wanted a great partner that I would be with forever. And I had been jaded by my parents' divorce and their terrible marriage that my parents had with each other. And I did not want that. I had looked for years for the right woman. And the relationships I was in never worked out. And they never worked out because I was not following God's will. I chose according to my standards, not according to God's will. And as I started following God's word, a woman appeared who was there the whole time, who I would have never previously considered. But for some reason, the more I saw God's will, the more it became clear to me that this is the right one, right in front of me. She didn't check the boxes that I set up, but she checked the boxes in God's word that I needed. So I ended up asking out my future wife, who was unlike any girl I was ever involved with. And I hit the jackpot because it was exactly the woman I needed, yet I didn't know or realize it until I looked in God's word. Fortunately, God had a plan and I, for once in my life, didn't screw it up. <laughs> 26 years later, I can't imagine life without her. 
And when you open your Bible, God opens his mouth and he starts talking to you. And when you close your Bible, God closes his mouth. He shuts his mouth. We discover the will of God in the word of God. So let me just say it this way. Stop listening for a voice and start looking for a verse. Some of you want God to write it in the sky. Why would he need to write it in the sky? He's already written it in his book, the Bible. But we don't even open it on a daily basis to find his will. So stop looking for a voice. Don't ask him to write it in the sky. Start looking for it in a verse. And God will teach you the principles that you need. By the way, God expects me to obey what I already know before he shows me something new. So if God has already shown you something, it's kind of like, I want you to do this and you haven't done it yet. You know you should do it. You know that God wants you to do it. Why is he going to show you the next step until you've gotten that first step done? You say, God, I need to know if you want me to change jobs. And God says, well, are you following what I've already told you? Are you already doing that? See, the key if you want to be led by the Spirit is to start doing what you already know is God's will. Just start doing what you already know. God's will is found in God's word. And something to remember is that God's will never contradicts his word. So if you get an idea and you can't find a basis verse in the Bible, it's wrong, period. Because God's already given us word. It's like, well, I had this impression, you know, Matt, I have this impression. Well, what does the Bible say? Well, not much. Well, this is how cults get started. Well, I think I should do this. Well, it's not found in God's word. Well, maybe I'll make it there. <laughs> the Bible tells us in Galatians 1.8 that even if an angel shows up and tells you something like, here's some new books to add to the Bible, he says, don't even trust that because if it's not in the Bible, he says, you don't need it. God's will will never contradict God's word. And most of what God has already wanted us to know is found in this book. And if you read it, God will guide you. You know, you say, well, if I act on what God's already told me, you're telling me he's going to tell me more? Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. So number four, if I want to be led by God's spirit, I must ask the Holy Spirit to be my guide. Do you remember in high school, they had a position on the faculty called the high school guidance counselor? Remember that? They were supposed to help you decide whether to go to college, get a job, go into the military, or choose a trade, whatever. Now, we have a guidance counselor for life. He's called the Holy Spirit. You don't just have the Bible. It's nice. It's the best to have the Bible. But what's, but what's even nicer is the author speaking to you in your ear, saying this is what it means. He's the guidance counselor. So that's where we say, I must ask the Holy Spirit. So one of the reasons you don't know God's will is you don't ask for it. In James 4, 2, the Bible says you don't have because you don't ask for it. You just need to understand God's interested in every detail of your life. He has the hairs on your head numbered. He knows everything about you. He knows your details more than you do. He knows one of the health problems that you have before you even know you've got it. God knows them. One of the best ways to engage your guidance counselor is to ask a specific question in prayer. Psalm 2711 says, teach me, Lord, what you want me to do and lead me down the right path. So how does he do it? How does God lead you down the right path? Well, there are a lot of different ways, but let me just mention a couple. One of them is the primary way that the Holy Spirit guides us is by reminding us of what we've read in God's word. Because you read stuff in the Bible, and if you memorize it, then it's stored in the back of your mind. And at the right moment, when you're in that conflict at work, God can bring that verse to mind. The Holy Spirit reminds us. The problem is we're not good at retention. We have great forgetters. But fortunately, part of the Holy Spirit's job is to help you remember. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you go, I don't know what to say. 
in your head. And then all of a sudden an idea pops in your mind. So the Holy Spirit just reminded you of that. And the more the Bible you got in your mind, the more he can bring that knowledge back. If there's nothing of the Bible in your mind, what's he going to bring out? Nothing. So you got to get into God's word. I can't tell you how many times I've walked into a meeting or a conversation or an interview or anything, and I had the slightest idea of what to say or how to respond. And I just shoot up a quick prayer saying, God, what do you want me to say here? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to say? And he'll bring something out. Some of you have never had that happen because maybe there's nothing up there. So God gives us ideas through his word. And the other way is he puts ideas in your mind. Yes, he puts impressions in your mind. When God gives you an idea, it's called inspiration. When the devil gives you an idea, it's called temptation. And we get those confused. God gave you a brain. He wants you to use it. Satan can't control you except to suggest thoughts. If you accept them, then he's controlling you. But God will not control you because he's given you that free will to make the choice. But when he puts an idea in your mind and you respond to it, then he enlightens it. Now, is there any way we can speed up that process that I can get God's ideas quicker? Yeah, there's a couple ways. First way is to ask humbly. That'll speed up the process. Psalm 25, 9. God guides the humble in what is right and he teaches them his way. The more humble you are coming to God, the quicker God gives you the information that you need. See, pride goes before destruction, a hearty spirit before a fall. God says, if you just be humble and say, God, I need you, I got to know this. I'll give it to you. Remember, the Lord is my shepherd. That's what we're talking about. He leads me in the right path for his name's sake. If we're just humble about it. Another way is to ask in faith. I ask humbly and I ask in faith. God, I need to know what you want me to do in this situation. And I'm expecting you to give me the answer. I have faith that you will do it. And I'm thanking you in advance. James 1, 5, and 6 says, If you want to know what God really wants you to do, ask him and he will gladly tell you, for he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But be sure that you really expect him to tell you. If you don't ask in faith, don't expect the word to give you any solid answers. That's why you often don't know what God wants you to do. You're not asking in faith. So number five, the fifth thing, if we want to be led by God's spirit, is we must listen for God's response. This is really a big reason why we don't hear God is because we ask and then we immediately run off. We don't wait. We don't be quiet. We don't listen. We don't sit still. We don't pause. We just say, God, I need to know this right now. And then we take off. And then turn on the radio or listening to Spotify or answering calls, or reading texts, or watch TV, and all the circuits are jammed, and God can't get through for the answer because you are already moved on to other things. I cannot overemphasize the importance of you taking some private time each day just to sit quietly and say, God, is there anything you want me to say to, say to me right now? Then just shut up and listen. I've read your word, and I've talked to you throughout the day in prayer. Now I'm just going to be quiet. Job 33, 14, God does speak, sometimes one way and sometimes another, even though people may not understand it. See, God uses the Bible. He uses teachers, kind of like when you're listening to a podcast. He uses impressions. He can use circumstances. He can use pain. He can use all and do all kinds of things. But the key is to test it by his word. And sometimes you say, God, I want to know your will. And you look out and you go, that doesn't make sense. It's a test. 
Psalm 72, 19 is actually a verse about Moses. You remember the story of the Ten Commandments, like in the movie where Charlton Heston got up there and he put this thing in the water and the Nile turned red and all the different miracles and things like that. And finally, Pharaoh said after 10 miracles, he says, okay, you can go, get out of here. And so a million Jews are leaving. They're heading across to go to the Sinai Peninsula. And all of a sudden they come up to a little dead end, a cul-de-sac, if you will. And they're standing with mountains on either side and the Red Sea's in front of them, which looks impassable. And Pharaoh has changed his mind and the army's coming after them and back. So they're hemmed in. They got the army behind them, the sea in front of them and mountains on the sides. And they're thinking we're going to be slaughtered. What are we going to do? They're coming after us. They were in God's little cul-de-sac and it looks like there's no way out. They're going to be dead. The name of that place was called Baal Zephon, which means God's hidden treasure. It's kind of cool. God had them exactly where he wanted them to be. He was going to do a miracle and suddenly the ocean splits. And you know the story. And they start walking over on dry ground. Imagine how in shock everybody had to be walking through that area. And when they get to the other side, it closes up and destroys many of the Egyptians. And this verse, Psalm 77, 19, talks about, it says, your road led by a pathway through the sea, a pathway no one knew was there. There have been so many times I've seen in life where people come up against enormous barriers, financial barriers, approval barriers, physical barriers, energy barriers. And they look at this and think, God, there's mountains on either side and an impassable barrier in front of me and the enemy's closing in and I'm stuck. What you got to realize is I'm in Baal Zephon. I'm in God's hidden treasure. And God says, I got you exactly where I want you. Watch this. And he makes a pathway through the obstacles. A pathway no one knew was there. And some of you are in that place right now and you're going, there's no way I'm getting out of this. We're going into bankruptcy. We hear the dreaded C word, cancer. There's no way out. We're headed for divorce court. You're exactly where God wants you to be. He wants to do a miracle. But there are five things you got to stop doing and there are five things you got to start doing. Stop and starts. And when you do that and you get God's guidance, he shows you a pathway that nobody else knew was there. God can make a way when it seems there is no way. And now we've just gone on into only three verses of this incredible passage of Psalm 23. But out of that, we know that because God is good, when I'm worried, he will meet my needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. And when I'm stressed, he'll teach me to relax. Makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. When I'm empty, he will replenish my strength. He restores my soul. And when I don't know what to do, he will guide me. He will lead me in the right path for his name's sake. Wherever you may be, you got to understand that God can and will lead you. If you get rid of those negative things and then you start the positive where you want to be led, you're willing to do what God says, you're looking at his word, you're guided by his spirit, and you actually listen for God's response. Those five positive things you can do and you'd be shocked at how um, unbelievably now you can feel God's will and you know what to do. Well, I hope that encourages you to follow God's will wherever you are, whatever tough decision is in front of you where you don't find a way out. Believe it or not, that's exactly where God wants you to be. 
and maybe it's a place of hidden treasure. Well, God bless, and I'll see you in the next pod.